0: BYU caps off their 2023 recruiting class here on signing day. How did they do? Well, I think they did pretty good going into the Big 12. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. We are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. A quick reminder for you guys: that today's show is brought to you by our title sponsors over at FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment with our fr- every make every moment more. Excuse me, with our friends over at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com/slash/locked on today. To get started. All right, a diving right in. It is National Signing Day. Congratulations and I guess happy holidays to those who celebrate. It's one of those days that a couple of years back, even though it's been actually more uh, further back than that, five years ago, this would have been a day with just full of all kinds of information guys signing, guys flipping, guys uh, coming into a program, guys leaving. Like National Signing Day was absolutely hectic. Well, the NCAA took a lot of the air out of that balloon when they instituted what they called the early signing period in mid to late December. It allows kids who have been committed to some of these programs, in the case of BYU, for multiple years potentially, to sign their national letters of intent then and get kind of the process over with and move on. Well, uh, now National Signing Day, which is today, it's technically the opening of National Signing Day, and it's actually a period. There's, a, I think, a six-week period here or so where guys can sign their national letters of intent. The vast majority of them who did not sign in that early signing period have signed today. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I saw a that out there that 80 some odd percent of each recruiting class these days is signing in the early signing period. So it's a bunch of stragglers in some ways. I know that it sounds negative, but it's not. It's just the guys that have not necessarily made up their mind, have decided they want to uh, take a little more time or a coach got fired and they wanted to look at at another program. Well, very much that is the case. For BYU, what I believe is one of the crown jewels from the high school side of the recruiting uh, profile is that L.J. Martin out of uh, El Paso, Texas, a guy that I think is going to be an absolute sensation for BYU. I think he challenges his playing time right away coming into BYU. He's a four-star prospect, part of the ESPN 300, which they believe are the top 300 prospects in the entire recruiting class. He's number 266. Uh, in that ranking, and this is a really, really well-done job by BYU as a whole. Kalani Sitake, his position coach Harvey Unga, obviously guys like Fessy Satake as the passing game coordinator, obviously Aaron Roderick as the offensive coordinator had huge roles in this, but BYU went out and hunted down a guy like LJ Martin to get him to come to BYU. They had to work to get him. He had a number of Power 5 offers, but the crazy thing about this is he had made up his mind all the way back in December and actually signed the paperwork indicating as such. They sat on this. BYU sat on this information at LJ Martin's request to not announce that he was going to BYU until today because he wanted to celebrate with the community around him. This is a kid who's been a four-year varsity player down there in El Paso, has 6,000 career yards at the high school level in the state of Texas. That's obviously one of the premier states for high school talent. And I know that El Paso isn't Houston. It's not Dallas. It's not even San Antonio or Austin. But El Paso still has pumped out plenty of good players in their history, and BYU picks up one of them. And it's also a great way for BYU to kind of, I guess, crack the door a little bit in that Texas region as they go into the Big 12 Conference here. I think L.J. Martin comes in and is at worst, in my mind, the number three running back going into training camp for BYU. Obviously, he will not be enrolling until this spring summer for BYU. Other guys like an Aiden Robbins who committed and signed during the early signing period are already on campus and will go through BYU spring ball which if you did not hear I tweeted this out you can follow me Jacob C. Hatch uh, BYU will open spring ball on Monday March 6th and they will wrap up spring ball on April 15th. They're actually going to go a little bit longer than they typically do uh, with this uh, period. It's actually a later start for spring ball as well. Uh, they usually start at late February the first week of March but they're going to get to March 6th before they ultimately take the field and begin their spring practices and they'll wrap things up like I mentioned on April 15th. So that gives an opportunity for a guy like Aiden Robbins to come in and establish himself hopefully as the number one guy at running back for BYU. It also gives a guy like Hinkaliropati, who is a holdover from last year's squad, who has a breakout star in the tail end of last season to establish himself potentially in the pecking order as well. But then, this summer when L.J. Martin arrives on campus, you can expect that he is going to be a guy that is going to insert himself and really establish himself, hopefully early on and prove what he's capable of doing. Anybody who watches this film sees a very very savvy runner. Great vision, ability to set up blocks with his moves. Has got nice speed on the outside. I saw some plays where he reversed field on guys. and You do that stuff at the high school level, and that usually indicates that you have the speed to get around the edge. In the college game, you may not be able to reverse the field like a Reggie Bush because there's only really one Reggie Bush out there. and We've all seen him, if you're old enough of a certain age, to have watched him play. If you haven't, go to YouTube and just just marvel at what uh, Reggie Bush did at USC. But nonetheless, a guy like L.J. Martin comes in. I think it's an absolute home run for BYU to get this. They flip him from Stanford. He had previously committed to Texas Tech before committing to Stanford. David uh, Shaw steps down. BYU uh, had an opportunity to have L.J. Martin watch them up close in that regular season finale. And Aaron Roderick and Kalani Satake indicated that that game against Stanford and BYU's success in running the football in that game actually was something that attracted LJ Martin to being interested in the BYU football program. So I think this is an absolutely sensational get for BYU on uh, National Signing Day. The other two guys that they signed on National Signing Day include David Latu. We have talked about him previously on our Monday edition of the podcast. He is one of three. Uh, defensive lineman from Snow College coming to BYU, but David Latu was announced because BYU apparently found a scholarship for this young man. He, like I guess it said he's previously of Snow College, also spent time playing for Bingham High School. He's a native of Bountiful, Utah, and Latu was a junior college All-American, and BYU felt like you know what we need to do to secure this kid, we need to give him a scholarship, and he comes in right away. They list him at six foot four, two hundred ninety-five pounds. I think alongside Jackson Cravens, you can put him on the short list to be one of BYU. Use top three. Four defensive tackles going into this season. I, I really like what he has shown on tape. Hopefully that will translate over uh, to the FBS slash Power 5 level here for BYU. But that's a solid pickup in that regard, and that means that BYU valued him highly enough to find a scholarship for him. The other one is a defensive lineman by the name of Moteki A. Munga. Uh, most people call him Mote Munga. Uh, played at View High School this past year, but before that played at Mountain View High School. He's a former Mountain View Bruin like myself. I am Played at Mountain View in Orem, Utah. And uh, Mote have a connection to him actually via some family members. And uh, there was some consternation, I think, amongst BYU fans that Mote might pick another program because he had put out a graphic not even, I think, a week ago that had his top four schools that did not include BYU. He ultimately decides to sign with BYU, six foot three, two 250 pounds, but you can expect that he will pack on the pounds and probably play more of a defensive tackle role like a David Latu after he serves a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He is the only one of this three-man crew that came in on National Signing Day that will not be immediately enrolling uh, later this spring or summer. David Latu will be coming in during the spring period once he has his associate's degree in hand from Snow College. Uh, that's actually the, the reasoning. Some of you actually asked me this after the, Monday edition of the show. Uh, his teammates also speaking of Stone Mulatalo is John talmoya Uh You were wondering, why aren't they enrolled already, Jake? Well, all three of them have to have their associate's degree in hand. They have to finish up their schoolwork down there in Ephraim at Snow College before they can transfer over to BYU. So, that is the reason why a guy like David Law, too, and the other two uh, Badgers from Snow College will be enrolling later this summer. And then LJ Martin, he simply just got to finish his high school uh, days out, obviously, and he'll be coming to BYU this summer and enrolling for a, for a fall camp and obviously summer term at BYU, et cetera. Uh, my overall takeaway and the overall thing from BYU's signing class, and actually in a moment, I want to talk about one other contingent of BYU's quote-unquote signing class that they have actually already signed with BYU, but they're finally enrolled or enrolling at BYU, speaking of return missionaries and gray shirts. We'll get to those guys here in just a minute. But the biggest thing for BYU's recruiting class, my friends, is that this is a – I call it a solid, albeit unspectacular start to BYU's Big 12 era. Is there room to improve on the recruiting trail? Absolutely. But if you look at the rankings, BYU has their highest ranking, if I'm not mistaken, in many, many years. It actually might go all the way back to that ill-fated 2010 class, if you will recall. That was a top-25 rated class, according to Scout at the time, now 24-7 Sports, Jake Heaps, Zach Stout, Ross Oppo. You remember the headliners of that class. Some worked out, some not so much. But this is the class, I think, the first BYU that indicates kind of where they can have their floor in the Big 12 now. Uh, the class ranking for BYU is number 53 on 24 7 sports composite rankings, and I think that's a great spot for BYU to be in. I think the BYU needs to get to being where they're recruiting in the top 40 at the very worst, but you got a big 12 bump this year. This is a BYU program that, for the last four, five, six years that I've been tracking it, has been ranking in the 60s, if not the 70s, in the recruiting rankings. So to be at number 53 right now on National Signing Day, that is an uptick, and I think you can point directly to the fact that BYU got a bump simply by joining the Big 12 Conference here, and that should give them some momentum on the recruiting trail going into the 2024 class, 2025, and on and on and on, because they are going to be a part of the Big 12. Any of these guys, LJ Martin said it himself. I'm going to back in Texas often playing games. That's the fun part for my family is they can see me on TV. Anymore uh, the, the obstacle of not being able to see your son or daughter play on TV or be able to see them play in person. A lot of that's kind of gone by the wayside especially with the proliferation of streaming services, TV networks all that stuff. So I, I, overall, I would give BYU's class, and I told this, to, we did a special for the Locked On podcast, and you might have seen it on YouTube. I give BYU a B-plus in terms of their overall recruiting uh, grade for this class. I, I If they hadn't gotten LJ Martin, if they hadn't gone out and really worked the transfer portal, which is the kind of the under-talked-about recruited, under under-talked thing here, but with guys like Keaton Slovis coming in, Aiden Robbins, I think the overall takeaway is, I think it's a solid B-plus for BYU on this recruiting trail. Could they have uh, added some more pieces, hopefully, that could push them Into the A territory in my mind? Sure. And that may very much happen, that may very much, may very well happen. Uh, coming up during the spring portal period from May 1st to the 15th. The two position groups I still think they need to address and I think that they absolutely need to hit them in the spring period are both the wide receiver and defensive back positions, whether that's corner or safety. They need to hit all three of those, I feel like, in the portal period. If you can get some difference makers in that, I know that Eddie Heckard is at cornerback, I, I get that, but I think they need a couple other guys in that defensive secondary. And if they can find that and a difference maker at wide receiver, I think they could push BYU you into that a-minus territory this recruiting cycle, and that's that's I think that's a pretty solid start for BYU. Obviously, there's still plenty of work to do. You need to up the overall ante in terms of your overall grades and the average recruiting rankings for each one of your young men. Uh, BYU needs to push towards getting to more of an average four-star class, if at all possible, if that makes sense. That may be many, many years down the road before they ultimately can boast that, but if they can continue to recruit high-level three-stars and continue to work on their development arm, that's the other thing about this is BYU is very intent on bringing in guys who may have uh, physical tools that aren't completely refined that keep them from maybe being that four-star talent. BYU is banking on the fact that they believe they can bring those guys into this program, develop them, bring them along, and once they're producing on the field, they're producing like a four-star talent. That has always kind of been BYU's MO here, and I think it will continue to be part of the MO going into the Big 12, but at the same time, you also can now gamble and shoot for bigger fish out there, uh, whatever terminology you want to use and go chase bigger names. That's the fun part about BYU is they no longer are a program that walks into us. Well, we're, we're, we like to aspire to be power, being Power 5. No, we are a Power 5 program, young man. You can come here and play across the country in the Big 12 Conference. You can compete for a college football playoff spot. You can be a part of all of that at Brigham Young University, and that should be a very attractive recruiting chip for BYU to play in future seasons and obviously in conversations even as soon as today as they look ahead to the 2024 class and beyond. All right, uh, so as I mentioned, I want to talk a little bit about BYU, the return missionaries and gray shirts, guys that have enrolled at BYU or will be enrolling this year that have signed in previous recruiting classes because it's a very important component of BYU's recruiting. We all know that BYU will have a large group of their recruiting classes every single year, go out and serve missions for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, spend two years in the mission field and then return home. Well, obviously, uh, there's conversations to be had about those guys that are returning this year for BYU and what they might be able to do this fall for the Cougars. We'll talk about those guys here momentarily. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner here on the Locked On Podcast Network because they are the number one sports book in America, and that's our friends at FanDuel. And this year, my friends, the only app you need at your Super Bowl Bowl party is our friends at FanDuel. They are America's number one sports book. And the best part is if you're new to FanDuel, like many of us out there are, that's easy. Even better. They have many great features that are making betting on sports fun and easy. And right now, you can download FanDuel so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 coming up a week from Sunday with a no sweat first bet. And what that means is you'll get up to $3,000, dollars 3 k my friends, back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Think about that. FanDuel is letting you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to prop bets and who will score a touchdown in Super Bowl 57. You can get in on all of that action. You probably have had uh, pools with family and friends in the past. Well, you can do this with a reputable sports book as well, and the best part is it's on an app. The FanDuel Sportsback Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid out your winnings instantly from FanDuel as well. So join FanDuel today at fanduel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet. Once again, up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win, my friends, on Super Bowl 57. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. Make every moment more with our friends at FanDuel, the official sportsbook. sportsbook. Sportsbook partner of the NFL. Thank you once again for checking us out right here on Locked On Cougars. The Locked On Podcast Network is out at the Senior Bowl this week. Get inside analysis from the hosts that cover the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft boards these players might be climbing all in one location. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL Draft Show for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl uh, tonight and tomorrow night at 7 o'clock Mountain Time if you want to tune into that fantastic stuff. By the way, Cam Miller from Pro Football Network saying that – uh, Puka Nakua vaulted I, no catapulted he said catapulted was the term he used himself up draft boards with his day one performance now uh, Puka did not work out on day two that, uh, to what I understand he was in uh, flip flops and shorts I don't know if that's an injury concern or him just simply saying you know what I had a good first day I'm going to take today off and we'll get back after it later in the week but good stuff going for Puka Nakua Blake Freeland up and down performance so far based on the reports I've heard it kind of depends on which person you happen to look at and Jaron Hall had a rough first day but it sounds like he bounced back in day two of practices down there at the Senior Bowl. But for more coverage of that stuff, make sure you check out the Locked On NFL Draft Show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So uh, let's talk about the guys that have come back off missions and are also guys who may have gray-shirted and sat out last season before enrolling at BYU. There are 13 guys in this group from BYU's announcement, one of which has not returned from the mission field yet, and that's John Henry Daly. And John Henry Daly, to me, might be a future of BYU's defensive end position. Six foot five, 225-pound athlete at a Lone Peak high school. I had a chance to call a number of his games, and he was a one-man wrecking crew. Elite pass-rushing skills at the high school level, coached up extremely Extremely well uh, over there at Lone Peak. He will not be enrolling until this summer. But the other 12 of these names, all these guys, have already all enrolled at BYU and will be going through spring ball. So this is an opportunity for them to get a head start and get their mission legs and get their mission legs behind them or kick the mission rust, mission legs rust off, whatever uh, terminology we should go with there. But. Turn down the list here. Ty Burke from Syracuse High School playing defensive back for BYU. 6'1", 175 pounds out of Syracuse High School. Also at defensive back, Raider DeMuni. And this is the guy that I think is absolutely sensational. I talked about BYU potentially needing to find a fit in the transfer portal at defensive back. Well, Raider DeMuni, if he is able to get himself into shape ahead of training camp, he could actually be the answer. Raider DeMuni was a high three-star, if not a low four-star prospect during his time at Timpview High School. Obviously, he is the son of BYU a staffer, Jack DeMooney, Mooney and Raider has got all the skills, my friends, six to 190 pounds runs extremely well. Was not afraid to come down in and lay the wood on defense. in his high school days also played some offense, but he will be playing in the defensive backfield for BYU. And to me, he screams as a future linchpin at safety for BYU down the road. I think if he bulks up a little bit, gets himself north of 200 pounds at some point here, he is going to be an absolute monster out there. Uh, the other name in the defensive backfield, there's actually two of them, PDT, Tui foot 6'3", 190 pounds out of Fort Mill, South Carolina. Of course, the son of a BYU great Peter Tui Pelotu. Uh, he's the third brother of the Tui Pelotus to enroll at BYU. Him listed at defensive back is a little bit interesting to me because the way I understood it, he was probably going to play offense before his mission, but now coming home he will be playing defense at 6'3". That's really, really tall for a defensive back, but BYU apparently sees enough in this young man. They think they can come, uh, make him into a very good defensive back. And also, Marcus McKenzie Obviously, the son of BYU uh, BYU running back legend Brian McKenzie. You're noticing a trend here? A lot of sons of BYU players, my friends. But Marcus McKenzie has a list of listed at both defensive back and wide receiver. Six foot 165 pounds out of Pineview High School down there in St. George. Uh, Marcus is going to have to put on some weight, but the one thing I can promise you that Marcus has, just like his father, is pure unadulterated speed him and his brother uh, Dominique who's actually still in the mission field both of them absolute speed speedsters uh, both of them are, are identical twins and once Dominique's back, you can guarantee the McKenzie brothers, they're going to get after it. But Marcus has already enrolled at BYU. And I think he ends up staying at the cornerback spot for BYU. Like I said, 165 pounds probably needs to put on some weight before he really gets into the mix. But he's got all of this offseason to work on that. Hit the weight room hard, obviously hit the protein shakes, all that stuff, eat a built Bar here or there. Uh, you can do all that stuff. Other names that come, coming back off of missions include on the, let's get to the defensive side real quick before we move over to the Offense. Zoom Esplin is coming into BYU from Encinitas, California, in La Costa Canyon High School. Honestly, I don't know much about Zoom. I know he's really, really, really tall six foot eight, two hundred and fifty pounds. They list him as a defensive lineman at six eight. I don't know if he's going to be playing a uh, defensive tackle, but at 250 pounds, you'd think, okay, if he gets into a weight room, what's he going to get up to 280, 290? to Does he play defensive end of that weight? I-, I don't know. This is an intriguing one. Cause I don't, like I said, I don't know much about zoom's background outside of the fact that he was a late addition to BYU's recruiting class when he committed and he's coming into this program as a scholarship player. So uh, this would be interesting to see how he does also on the defensive side of the football. The last name Kafusi should be synonymous with BYU football at this point. My friends, a, Ace and Micah Kafusi are both enrolled at BYU now. Now, Ace is a six-foot-three, 205-pound athlete at a Kahuku High School, who I believe I, I'm trying to remember way back when when he committed to BYU. I thought they had him tabbed to play defensive back for BYU, but they have him listed as a linebacker here. in BYU's release, While Micah Kafusi, who is the younger brother of both Jackson and Isaiah Kafusi. Aces, their cousin, they're also cousins of the uh, Kafusi, speaking of uh, Bronson and Corbin Kafusi, all of them are related. We all know that. But Micah Kafusi, 6'4", 205 pounds, out of Alta High School and a native of Cottonwood Heights, Utah. Uh, Micah was always tabbed to play linebacker, just like his older brothers. You looked at that body type, what he played like at Alta, and you're like, okay, that's a linebacker. But you can never have too many Kafusis on your roster if you're BYU, and I would continue to tap into that as much as possible. Because the nice part is the Kafusi clan, the family out there, there's a lot of siblings and a lot of nieces, nephews, cousins. Tap into as much of it as you can. It's good to see Micah Kafusi and Ace Kafusi bringing the Kafusi name back to the BYU roster. So that's the defensive players coming back off of it. I think all of them have potential here. Now, on the offensive side of the things, Caden uh, Chidester is another guy similar to Zoom Esplin who is absolutely just a big dude. 6'8", 290 pounds. He played high school basketball, many of you might recall. Was originally tabbed to play defensive line for BYU, but it appears that BYU is I uh, told him to bulk up because it's 6'8", 290. That is definitely awesome offensive lineman weight? Does he ends up playing offensive tackle offensive guard I don't know he is probably the biggest project of the entire bunch of these guys here because I just don't know if Caden Chidester is going to be able to make the transition to playing football full-time after being primarily a basketball player in high school down there at Richfield High he didn't play at a high level either in high school Richfield's not a very big town so there's a big gamble here on Caden Chidester he's got the measurables 6'8 290 look at that okay that's Offensive lineman, height and weight for a freshman coming in, see what you can do with it, but it's going to take some time. I would actually imagine that a redshirt year and maybe a couple years of development are probably in order for him before you ultimately see him make an impression. Now also on that offensive line is a guy who I think is going to be more of a a proven product earlier on because he played offensive line in high school, and that's Jake Griffin, a native of Arizona, Mesa, Arizona, and went to Red Mountain High School the list, him also at 6'8", 280 pounds, but he is an offensive lineman. He played it in high school. I remember watching Jake Griffin's film before his mission and thinking, oh my goodness, they might have their next star left tackle. That was before uh, Kingsley Suamataia made the transfer from Oregon. I, I thought that Jake Griffin, uh, if you went down the list, Brady Christensen left tackle, uh, Blake Freeland left tackle, and my thought was that, okay, you have a little bit of a stopgap here, and that may be a uh, a guy like uh, uh, Kingsley stepping in at left tackle this year, but there's not, too far off in my mind that Jake Griffin probably is the next great left tackle for BYU if he is as good as advertised. Like I said, 6'8, 280. Got the height weight combo coming into this program that I think absolutely keep an eye on him down the road here because he is a special, special offensive lineman. Now, the other offensive players include Devin Downing, a wide receiver at 6'2, 175 pounds out of American Fork High School. The last American Fork uh, receiver they brought in obviously ha- hit for BYU, and of course I'm Speaking of, um, oh my gosh, uh, tip of my tongue, it is not Devin Downing, it's who uh, we're talking about here. Um, man, I am, this is embarrassing uh, to have lost that in the moment. But nonetheless, Devin Downing, let's get back to the point at hand. Comes from a very established program and great size, 6'2", 175 pounds. Uh, he's a guy that has been carrying on a really, really nice legacy for BYU at wide rec- uh, BYU at American Fork High School. And he should be able to do that uh, moving forward here at BYU. I really like him. And also, Koa Eldridge, another Hawaii product uh, out of Honolulu, went to Punahou High School. He's a little bit smaller, listed at 6 foot 190 pounds. But Koa Eldridge is a guy, to me, that screams a uh, slot receiver type. Think of it like an Eleva HIFO, but bigger than Aleva Hifo, if you remember Aleva a couple years back. Actually, more like four years back now. But nonetheless, uh, Koa Eldridge, guy out of Hawaii, has got a lot of skills, and the nice part is that probably helps bolster BYU's wide receiver position from the return missionary standpoint. I mentioned I want to see BYU go out and use the transfer portal. I still think they need to do that. But both of these guys are probably guys you can count on down the road, being a part of that wide receiver position. And also, like mentioned, Marcus McKenzie could end up playing wide receiver if it doesn't work out at defensive back for him as well. Now, the final name I need to talk about here is a running back. We already talked about L.J. Martin, but you also have to add Nukuluve Halu uh, to the BYU running back position. They list him at six foot one, two hundred pounds. Here, uh, I actually thought he was bigger than that. I had somebody tell me that he was like six foot three, but nonetheless. Anuku Luve, or Luve as most people call him, is a guy that's going to come into BYU. And if he lives up to his skill set, he's been out on a mission for many, many years. This guy kind of been off the radar for a lot of BYU fans. Gray-shirted this past season. But if he lives up to his billing coming out of high school, out of Twilla High School, out there in the Twilla Valley, he has got all of the capability of being a, a great running back for BYU. I remember watching him. I had a chance to see him in person a few times. And I remember thinking, okay, this has got the markings of the next uh, insert Polynesian running back of BYU yesteryear. Fui Vaka Puna, Harvey Unga, like the Manase Tonga, like the think of the great names of big bodied Polynesian backs that BYU's had in the past little bit. Nukuluwe has got that capability of being that type of a guy for BYU. Am I saying that he's going to go out and set the career rushing record that Harvey Unga held once upon a time before Jamal took it away from him? No, I'm not necessarily saying that he's going to do that, but he's got that same capability of being that. I think at the very worst, he's a Manasseh Tonga where Manasseh was a fullback but had very, very nice hands out of the backfield and became a nice receiving threat for BYU in the mid-2000s. Y'all remember Manasseh played in the NFL as a fullback for a little while, Were number. Number 11 at BYU. I think he absolutely, uh, speaking of a guy like Nuka Luve, should pattern his game after like a Fui Vakapuna or one of those great BYU Polynesian running backs they've had in their history. And we'll see if it, if it pays off. And by the way, it just came to me. Chase Roberts. That's who I was thinking of. Chase Roberts. Of course, the guy for Devin Downing, the American Fork products, both of them. And man, that was embarrassing to have that slip my mind right as I was going into that, that hit. But nonetheless, this overall... Uh, return missionary class, I think there's a lot of good options in there. Are there some gambles in that group? Absolutely. You look at uh, the list and I, I look at that list and I say, okay, like I said, Caden Chidester as an offensive lineman, huge gamble there. See how long it takes him to develop if he ultimately ever does develop. Like I said, Zoom Esplin, I don't know much about this young man. I have to do some more research and digging to find out more about him, but he's got great measurables. Six foot eight, 250 pounds. You can work with those measurables. That's what BYU's banking on here. Uh, John Henry Daly, 225 pounds is really skinny for a defensive end, but him coming home off of a mission, you probably want to bulk him up to 250, 260, and tell him just go get that quarterback. So there's a lot of potential in all of these return missionaries. And the nice part is, like I said, 12 of the 13 of them we've just run down are already enrolled at BYU going through winter workouts. They'll be going through spring ball. They'll work out and play run practices, off season workouts in the summer. And hopefully, at least a few of them, a guy like Raider, DeMooney, et cetera, can probably see the field this fall. The nice part is also with the red shirt rules still in place, all these guys can play up to four games this year and keep that redshirt in place as well. So give them some game experience along the way if need be as well. All right. Wow, we have been rolling for quite a while now. A little bit over time on today's show, but I want to finish up today's podcast with a flip over to golf for a minute. A really, really... good accomplishment in their first term of the year for the BYU men's golf program. We'll get to that momentarily. First, I need to talk about one of our great new friends. A brand new sponsor with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. That's our friends over at Be Wearables. And I apologize uh, to Brad out there. Uh, Brad, I just came literally from some press conferences and did not have a chance to pull on one of your shirts. I am going to wear it on our next podcast and show this off to everybody. But, what is Be Wearables, my friends? Well, BYU has a global fan base and many of you have lived or live in different countries. Be wearables.co beware plus wearables that's where you get be wearables from has collected real signs from around the world that are just funny that's the best part about this my friends they make shirts and accessories that make that celebrate a healthy sense of the ridiculous if you squint and tilt your head a bit you will discover that life is really really funny out there each Bewareables design is based on a real sign that is oddly funny Bewearables.co wants you to be to laugh and enjoy this ridiculously wonderful world the best part is uh, Brad who is the obviously the proprietor of this business it's created he's a BYU alumni and fans have designed these it converts silly road signs that are find, found literally worldwide into high quality t-shirts also on hoodies, phone cases, tote bags, and more. No matter how you want it, they can probably do it for you guys. There's crazy stuff everywhere, and they've tried to capture it all. They've got signs from travels to Brazil, Mexico, Israel, Egypt, Jordan, on down the list, Ghana, Guatemala, Europe, even the United States. And the best part is I've got three of them myself, and I look forward to wearing each one of these. I've got three designs. One of them tells me not to play soccer. Many of you know that I'm a soccer fan. It said, don't play soccer. Well, I thought it was a pretty cool sign. Also one that says, caution, trees don't move. It's from a snowboarding sign. And uh, I'm a guy who has actually hit a tree once upon a time on my snowboard. And obviously for skiers as well. Maybe chuckles from a winter resort in the United States. And also the, I have another one that's got a guy holding his hat. And I'll have to wear it tomorrow, I think. It stands for take your hard hat off from China, from a factory. What does that mean? Are you supposed to take your hard hat off in this factory? Most of the time when you go into those places, you're supposed to put the hard hat on. But nonetheless, it's a fantastic product, my friend. If you want to have some fun with these, these designs are absolutely incredible. The best part is I opened that package with my shirts that Brad sent me, and they were absolutely awesome. I cannot recommend them enough. So go to bewearables.co. Once again, that's Beware. A-B-L-E-S dot C-O to browse through the collection of funny designs and order them. Now, once again, this is done by BYU alumni and fans. And if you have suggestions for them, I'm sure Brad and his team would not mind you guys sending a submission to add it to your collection. But get to BeWearables.co right now and place your orders today. That's our friends over at BeWearables. All right, before we go here on today's show, a quick reminder. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Like I said, we're a little bit over time, so this is going to be a short final segment. But I do need to highlight something that happened this week for BYU Men's Golf. They were playing at the Arizona Intercollegiate Tournament uh, this past week, uh, earlier this week, I should say. And BYU sophomore Zach Jones secured his first collegiate win at the Arizona Thunderbirds Intercollegiate. Uh, that happened on Tuesday. BYU Men's Golf as a team finished fourth overall. But Zach Jones was absolutely Masterful. He carded rounds of 65, 69, and sixty-six, a total of two hundred, uh, to finish at sixteen under and to win the tournament by, uh, medalist strokes, uh, medalist honors, I should say, by three strokes. That's phenomenal stuff. Cal McCoy finished second at thirteen under, and number forty individual ranked Ian Gilligan of Long Beach State finished twelve under. Zach Jones is the reigning uh, Utah State amateur champion as well, and man. What a phenomenal opening uh, tournament for him and also for BYU men's golf. Fourth uh, place in this tournament is a really, really good start to the spring season for BYU. You know it's saying that spring is kind of funny to talk about when they're playing in the month of January. But nonetheless, uh, that's how BYU goes. Uh, Texas A&M number 11-ranked uh, Aggies took home the team title uh, with shooting 36-under overall. But really, really good stuff. And congratulations to Zach Jones. That's a great start to his spring season, obviously, like I mentioned, for BYU golf As they move forward here. Uh, They're going to be back in action, I believe, coming up. They're two weeks off. Before they head to Lihue, Hawaii, out there on uh, the ocean course at Hoku... 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 Man... Hokuala? I think I got that right. But nonetheless, they'll be headed out to Hawaii. I'm very jealous. They'll be spending February 16th to the 18th uh, playing in that tournament out there in Hawaii. And best of luck uh, to Zach Jones and the Cougars as they try and follow up uh, this phenomenal showing in their opener of the spring season. All right. There you go. You're up to speed on everything going on in BYU sports. Now, uh, tomorrow, it's going to be the Friday edition of the show. It's been actually kind of a jam-packed week here, folks. But if you have questions, we'll get to a mailbag edition tomorrow. So if you want to send those in now, send them, send them in via social media, email or DM them on Twitter, whatever you want to do uh, to reach out. Just drop them in the YouTube comments, however you want to interact with the show. Excuse me, we'll get to as many uh, questions as we can on tomorrow's podcast. And obviously we'll get back to looking back at BYU's 155 games of their independent era. We've really gotten away from it this week, but it's been a busy week, a lot of news out there. So we'll get back to that tomorrow as well. So thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Now go make your second listen our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Get caught up on all things Big 12 with our friend Josh Neighbors over there at Locked On Big 12. Get that free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also check it out on YouTube. Until tomorrow, my friends, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.